Welcome to YP Connect, a podcast series delivered by YP Gold Coast, the city's leading advocacy group which aims to motivate, inspire and connect future city leaders. In this series, we're talking to passionate Gold Coasters who are at the top of their fields, from CEOs and business leaders to entrepreneurs, academics and health professionals, representing the industries that will drive our economic success now and into the future. My name is Carla Toomer. I'm a YP Gold Coast committee member and journalist and presenter for 1029 Hot Tomato and MyGC. Together with the YP committee, I'll be bringing you six podcasts over the next several weeks, exploring everything from tourism industry development and recovery to building personal brands, pivoting in a crisis and medical breakthroughs happening right here in our backyard. Today, we'll be talking about branding and networking, something I'm sure we're all familiar with, but in the era of COVID-19, businesses and professionals are relying on digital communication channels to build their networks and brand presence now more than ever. One of the platforms connecting us is LinkedIn, something I'm sure we're all using, but how effectively are we using it is the question. While a portion of Gold Coast businesses have fared through working from home and event cancellations, we're excited to hear from today's guest, Ryan Tuckwood, co-founder of ISR Training on how to build your personal brand and a quality business network online. Ryan is one half of ISR Training, a multi-award winning sales coaching organisation based right here on the beautiful Gold Coast. With an appearance on Shark Tank that catapulted their already bright trajectory, ISR now offers training across five continents through the Swish Sales Academy. Also joining me in the studio today is YP Gold Coast Committee member and Account Director at Ruby Communications, Jack Bojanowski. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me over. It's amazing. Yeah. So let's just get right into it. Um, Ryan, you're originally from the UK. What made you decide to up and leave? And more importantly, why did you decide to move to the Gold Coast? Wow. Okay. Um, that is straight into it. Um, yeah. How long have you got? <laughs> uh, lifestyle is the easy answer. Um, the, the deeper answer is uh, 27 years old, midlife crisis, sort of wondering whether I was fulfilling my potential. Um, I think it's been well publicized that my background is in engineering. So I was a mechanical maintenance engineer for, for eight years back in the UK. Um, certainly no sales background or business background or anything like that. But I got to the age of, like I say, 27, wondering whether this was this this was me. Is this is this my life? Um, and decided to give it all up, jump on a plane, and move over to the other side of the world. And why the Gold Coast of all places? Um, had you I been did, here before, or yeah, I had. I came here so 2010. I moved here, but I came here in 2004 um, with my friend Henry. Um, Henry Hornbuckle, that's a real name. <laughs> um, that's a true story. And uh, we, we backpacked like everybody should do down the, the east coast of Australia. And I only spent about four or five days on the Gold Coast, um, obviously only in surfers. Uh, and I had a preconceived idea about what the Gold Coast was like back then because I only spent four, four or five days partying in surfers. Um, but when I came back, I moved to Sydney because... When you live in the UK, there is nowhere else in Australia that exists apart from Sydney. <laughs> of course. Which is unfortunate, um, and which is why this is so fantastic what you guys are doing here. Um, but I, I realised that Sydney actually gets very cold at certain times of the year, and they don't advertise that. <laughs> so I flew up to Cairns, then I travelled the coast, and then I got back down to the Gold Coast, and I met a few um, friends that I played football or soccer with back in the UK that were living on the coast. And I said, oh, I'm just travelling through, I'm going back to Sydney. 
and they said, why would you live in Sydney? And they said, you obviously haven't seen the, the proper Gold Coast, the real Gold Coast. And they took a few days out, started showing me around. I started playing football for Broadbeach United and uh, I never left. And that was nearly 10 years ago. And this has just been, for me, this is the best place in the world. Wow. So you've started your business, ISR Training. Mm. If people have never heard about it before, what is it all about? Um, in essence, it's about ethical sales. Um, so it's about changing the perception of sales and salespeople um, and the industry in its entirety. So we've got um, an, an acronym that kind of surmises it, which is SWISH, Selling with Integrity and Selling Honestly. So um, it, it came about through a frustration really of falling into the sales world, failing in the sales world, hating it. I mean, nobody enjoys something they're not good at. Um, and then realizing that sales is a process. There is an order of which human beings make decisions. There's a psychology behind understanding human behavior. Um, and if you can do that and you can communicate and articulate your value in a way that another person consumes value in their way, not your way, you can actually get some great results. Um, what I didn't like was all the 1980s cheesy manipulative tactics that were being taught out there. Um, and it still goes on today. There's lots of it going on all around the world. And what we wanted to do was start a business that proved that good people, genuine business owners, um, maybe even the introvert type people can actually be successful in business um, and sell with integrity and sell honestly. So that was kind of the crux of why it was created through failure um, and for a frustration of what was already in the market. So just backtracking a little bit, um, you obviously had such a great career foundation already there. And, you know, despite the fact that you were kind of going through, like you said, that midlife crisis, hmm. wondering, is there more to life? What was it that drew you to sales in the first place? I feel like it's generally speaking, you know, for a lot of people, not the most attractive career path because uh -huh. you have to work so hard to, you know, really get the fruits of your labor. What was it that drew you to it? Yeah, I think, um, firstly, I think hopefully it was a quarter life crisis, um, <laughs> but um, I, I didn't get drawn to it at all. Um, it was, for, for me, if, if I go through the, the, the story of, of why I'm still in the industry, um, I fell into a cold call center um, on the Gold Coast because I was a backpacker and I couldn't find any other work. Um, when I say I was failing, I was failing miserably. I was 21st out of 21 people in that call center. Um, and for the first three months, I couldn't make a sale to save my life. Um, I had 31 cents to my name. I was sleeping on a bathroom floor on Surf Parade in Broad Beach. Um, and it was either quit or dig my heels in. Um, and what I actually did was quit. I decided that it wasn't for me. I made the decision that I was going to fly back to the UK. Uh, my, my now wife, Alicia, we were going to either go to New Zealand or back to the UK. And it was only my, my business partner, Jack, that you guys know at the time, he said to me, Ryan, I'm not going to let you quit. You haven't even tried to give this a really good go. He said, you don't know anything about sales, negotiation, body language, emotional intelligence, behavioral science. And I'm like, I don't even know what those words mean. What are you on about? He said, that's what I mean. You haven't truly tried to immerse yourself in the art and craft of sales. So he challenged me. He said, for the next 60 days, I want you to fanatically consume as much information as you can around this skill that is sales. And if you're still 21st, I'll pay for your flight anywhere in the world, but go knowing that you gave this a really good go. Um, and I went from 21st to first in five weeks. Um, yeah. And my whole mindset just shifted because I saw a common thread for all of the study that I was doing. And that was an order of which you communicate your message to other human beings can actually impact the way they make decisions. Um, my engineering brain, as I said earlier, just went, okay, now I get it. Um, and I didn't, so I never fell in love with sales. I fell in love with the process. Um, yeah. So I fell in love, uh, one of my early coaches said to me, Ryan, if you don't love what you do, love how you do it. 
So I learned to love how you did sales, not love sales. And then as a natural byproduct of that, the next year I did $334,000 in commissions and I went, okay, now I love sales. Um, (laughs) And the the longer story around that is based around um, my my parents. My my dad's been pretty sick for 19 years or so. He's had esophagus cancer. He he cannot work. They don't own a home. They rent. So for the first year, um, first time ever, sorry, I was able to support them and send money home to them. And I realized that learning to sell was actually impact. Um, and, and that's why I'm now in this and I, and I really want to help everybody else bring out that inner salesperson because we've all got it. We've all got an ability to do it, but you have to want to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So what year did you start ISR training? Because I know it was 2018 when you decided to go onto Shark Tank. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So what year did you start? Um, so we formed it in 2014, but our first training session was delivered in March 2015. And then so. why did you decide to go onto Shark Tank? <laughs> Obviously, it was a massive opportunity. You got to leverage it to help build the brand. Um, mm. I'm assuming that's the main reason. Or was it more for the investment? Um. For, I didn't decide to go on Shark Tank. You guys know Jack. Um, he decided to go on Shark Tank, um, entered, and then told me we'd been successful um, uh, to go and film in Sydney. So I'm Jack and I are very different, um, different ends of the spectrum. I, I'm a natural sort of introvert, hated public speaking. The idea of doing something like this even two years ago, two and a half years ago, just prior to Shark Tank, I wouldn't have done it. Um, and I would have put every single barrier in the way to say that I wasn't available. Um, the idea of emceeing the Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards in front of 400 people. Do you know that actually um, fascinates me? Because every time I've met you, you're so personable, you're so out there. I would have just assumed you were an extrovert, not an introvert. Yeah, um, couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> I, as a child, my parents had concerns that um, I had social challenges um, really? because I, in a social setting, I would go under, take, go under a table, take my shoes off and not speak to anybody. So I wouldn't, hated networking. So when Jack said to me, that we're going on Shark Tank, my instant response was, why? Now, we were Because we were already going pretty well at that stage. Mm-hmm. We'd coached nearly 3,000 people. We got a good reputation on the Gold Coast. Um, and that's one thing that's changed is really our thinking now is, is, is um, on, a, on a grand world scale. But um, he said, we've, we've been successful to go on there. And then obviously my processing brain was like, okay, so why are we doing this? What's the benefit? And for us, it wasn't the money. Um, it, was, it was the leverage. It was the reach that those sharks had um, it was we, we didn't really know whether we were going to get one we were going to get three or none or whatever whichever way it was going to go but in my eyes if it failed and we're supposed to be sales trainers it fails massively because we've just we've just failed in selling ourselves on a on a, on a national scale um, so yeah it was for leverage really but um quick quick story on that I did say that on the show I said to Steve Baxter um, he said why are you here and I said well we're not here for the money we're here for your brains and we want your mentorship and he said, whoa, 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 hold on. You're going really well. Don't ever come and talk to an investor and tell them you're not here for your money, our money. You are here for our money, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, um, so that was a good lesson. Um, but those guys have been tremendous over the last two years, for sure. So it was, a, it was a great move. And I would implore anybody, if they're thinking about um, seeking investment, make sure you get smart money, not dumb money. There's a huge difference between the two. So you mentioned that obviously being on a national TV program like Shark Tank really catapulted you guys to Mm -hmm. a national audience. How did you guys use that to then build a brand nationally? Like you said, you're well known on the Gold Coast, but how did you really hold that and not just, you know, have 15 minutes of fame and actually turn that into something meaningful? Yeah, awesome question. Um, I think 
it, it catapulted us into the market and that can go one of two ways. Like you need to be catapulted with credibility. And I think that's what it did. It gave us credibility in an industry that is tarnished, like the sales in itself, there's a stigma around it. So firstly, we wanted to really push that on. We, we made a conscious decision. Um, we, we were a bit blurry as a business. We, were, we did a bit of rec recruitment for sales. We were business coaches, motivational trainers, sales coach, and nobody knew what we did. So one of the things that they got us to do was streamline the business and what do we want to be known for? We wanted to be known as the ethical sales training organization, so Swish. So the way we leveraged that, we started touring. So we started touring the country um, and, and getting, making sure we had one of those sharks on every single tour. Obviously, they pull the crowds in and it gave us an ability to get greater reach than we had done already. Um, I'm very, very passionate about the Gold Coast. Um, I would never move the business away from the Gold Coast because I think from a day-to-day -day perspective, the lifestyle is fantastic. And I think there's a lot of unearthed talent here as well. Um, but it's undoubted, you can't deny the fact there is a lot of business to be had in, in other major cities in Australia and beyond. And um, taking those sharks with us around the country draws attention back to the Gold Coast as well. Um, mm -hmm. So we know that we've got, that there's limiting beliefs around businesses on the Gold Coast and we had an opportunity to kind of dispel those beliefs with those guys standing shoulder to shoulder with us, you know. So that the leverage has gone there. I mean, social media, um, which is obviously what we're talking about as well today, um, has played a massive, massive part. Um, it probably coincides with me being fearful of public speaking and, and standing on camera, but I didn't put a video out or put any content out there for almost three years, personally. Wow. Um, probably the, the reason it sounds good is that um, I didn't have time. The real reason was I was scared of the, the way people feel. So what I will say to anybody that's listening is if you do feel like that, you're going to get much more of a connection when they see a, a person behind the brand as opposed to just a brand. So just point and shoot. Just put something out there. Um, be recent, frequent, front of mind, and add value. And if you're adding value to the market as much as possible, which is what we endeavor to do, um, you'll get the attention and you'll get the right attention. And that's how we, I guess that's how we leveraged it. So are you saying everyone should have a personal brand in addition to their business brand? 100%. Why is it so important? Um, I, don't, I don't buy into a, a brand um, per, per se. I buy, I buy into a person and you are, you are the, I, I am ISR, I, I am Swish. The, the, the business was created because of me. So people don't go, okay, I want to do business with ISR training. They go, I want to do business with ISR training story. I want to do business with the ethos the, of moral and ethical sales. Um, okay, well, where does that even come from? Who's going to be educating me? Who's going to be teaching me? Who's going to be supplying these services to me? Oh, that's Ryan. Well, what does Ryan do? Okay, well, this is his backstory. Oh, cool. Like, so the more you can put that out there in the market before they even reach your doors, the less work you have to do once you're trying to actually convert them to becoming a paying customer. Um, the biggest companies in the world that the faces of the business are, are leading the way. Um, rightly or wrongly. Some people are doing it just for attention and they know they're going to alienate a lot of the market. Um, but I think most people just fear putting themselves out there. You've got to, you've got to be brave with it. Mm. It's, it th there's been a direct correlation with the growth of our business and us putting content out every single day. And when I say us, I mean me. Like I've got a full-time videographer now, full-time marketing manager that literally runs all of my socials. I never wanted to do that. And I'm like, oh, but it's me. So you need to make sure they understand what your message is. And that comes through training, repetition, um, communication within the team as well. 
So for the people that might be listening to this and wondering, you know, I work for a brand, what Mm. on earth is my personal brand? You know, whether you're an employee or a business owner, everyone has their own personal brand, but what exactly is it? You know, what do people need to know represents them as a brand? Mm. How do they build a brand when they don't really, can't really identify it in themselves alone yeah um for me personal brand is is what people say about you when you're not around um so it was quite it's quite interesting to hear carla say there that um i've always come across as quite personable but also extroverted that means that you you haven't heard the story but you're seeing one side to me so by enabling me to have a personal brand and you you follow me on instagram you follow me on on any of the socials you might actually see the other side to that as well so i actually let people in um, so it's about being vulnerable at times. It doesn't have to be that you're showing people how amazing you are. It's also showing that sometimes, hey, we've just had COVID hit. I had a three-day wobble um, and I was terrified of going bankrupt and losing everything and sponsored people were going to leave our business and have to go home, you know. So the vulnerability side is one thing that you can literally do to so talk about your struggles. Um, with regards to um, if you work for an organization, um, if you say you're in real estate, but you you're a, you work for... I won't name any. Uh, you, work for a, you work for a real estate agency because um, we train some, so I've got to be careful. Uh, it, but you, you're, you don't own the business, um, but you are your own business in your own right because what happens one day if you do ever want to break away um, and you've spent the last three years building your own personal brand? So you're across social media. Every time somebody sees you, you conduct yourself correctly. Um, you're polite, you're courteous, you're professional. Um, you guys might not have invited me on here if you saw on social media that I don't really back up the swish methodology away from isi you know so i, I mean lauren um, my marketing manager is here today she'll attest to the fact that i always talk about living and breathing your mcp rule your mcp rule so myself company and product 24 7 365 you're representing yourself your company and your product so think about every single piece of content you ever put out there think about every single human interaction you ever have what are you saying to them what are you doing what is your um, what is your legacy that you're leaving? When I walk out of here, the people that I hadn't met before, you think something of me, rightly or wrongly, I'm going to leave a 60-second legacy on you. What is that? Um, and if you live like that, live like the person next to you or the person that you meet next is the one that could change your life, you'll never let anybody else down and you'll certainly never let yourself down. I love that. I love that as well. What's the best way for people to promote themselves? Is it to have a website? Is it to have Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn? There's so many social media profile um, channels out there. Where should people start? The the short answer is everywhere. Um, You need to be everywhere. It's an ecosystem. What 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 a fortunate age that we're living in that you can find out anything you want about me in 15 seconds. So we could cold call you out the blue, try and sell you. And within 15 seconds, you go, okay, he's done this, 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 and this, that backs up. Brilliant. I'll do business. So across all platforms is the best way to go. But naturally, if you're just starting out and you don't have funds to finance that, um, all of your social media channels that are free, um, we post, I believe, and Lauren will probably correct me, six times uh, six times a week, I think, at least on each platform. Um, is she nodding? Uh, something <laughs> like, it might be six times a day. I don't know. Um, I should know that. But but starting out across Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, if you're in the B2B world um, and you're not on LinkedIn, oh, my Lord. Um, there's, what, 9 million users in Australia, I think, at the minute on, on LinkedIn. Is that right? Yeah, I actually read some stats just yesterday um, that were saying it was something like 500 million people are on LinkedIn, but only 3 million people are posting daily. Wow. So wow. massive 
untapped resource. And um, Carla and I were just talking mm. about this off mic about <laughs> how, you know, Carla was like, oh, I just, it's so elusive to me. I'm, and I'm not a LinkedIn user. I mean, I have a brief, small profile up there and maybe it's because I work in the media that I just don't yeah. feel that I need to use that as a social media channel. But now yeah. I'm feeling from what you're saying that I should be using it. Well, I think you, it, it depends what you what you understand you're using it for. So for, for me, we we work with owner operators, solopreneurs, individual salespeople, all the way through to ASX Fortune 500 companies. So I need to be across the, bro- uh, across the board because I, I need to find my client where they are. I can't expect them to find me where I am. So when I go on LinkedIn, it's a very corporate feel. It's a, uh, well, then you follow me on Instagram and it's just you're bombarded with babies, uh, ba- ba- baby plus one more to come, but my, my dog as well. So you're going to see more of a family, Ryan, um, as well. But then there will still be elements of of education and coaching in there as well. So um, I don't think there's a one size fits all. You obviously got to go where your prospects are. LinkedIn for me has been unbelievable uh, because mm-hmm. if you don't have a brand, I think that a good thing to understand is, and I'm no social media expert, but um, like I don't understand the algorithms of Stopped trying to figure that out years ago. Um, but my understanding is they have the best SEO reach out of everybody. Um, so if you get yourself a LinkedIn profile, as soon as somebody searches you, the first thing they're going to find is your LinkedIn profile. Mm. So that let that be your resume that sells you. Um, whereas if they just search you and they find your Facebook, then maybe there might still be some things on Facebook that you don't want them to find. Um, and sometimes those history things just bring up your MySpace page and whatever else that you don't want. So people should have, I guess, the different parts of themselves on the different types of social media is kind of what I'm getting from Mm. what you're saying. So your LinkedIn is more your corporate persona, your Instagram's more your real life um, persona. Is that sort of what you're trying to say? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I cross-pollinate to an extent, but there would be a disproportionate amount of content on LinkedIn would be professional. Um, it would be me putting out educational videos. It would be um, what we call COVs, contents of value that we release. It would be testimonials on a corporate level. Uh, but then Instagram, I still have that, but it would be more disproportionate family, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So never, don't exclusive, um, don't go exclusively with one or the other. Because when I do a li- when I do LinkedIn, if you imagine you follow me on LinkedIn, and it's like professional, 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 corporate. Oh, there's him and his baby boy. That gets greater reach than any of my others. So I get to then show you the other side to me. Mm-hmm. And you, you're a, um, uh, a captive audience. It's a, so we have it in our sales process. The second I get off the phone to you, I, my one of my final sentences is, um, so Jack, firstly, pleasure speaking to you. I'm not sure if you're across the socials, but I'm a bit old school. I like to put a face to the name. Do you use LinkedIn at all? Yeah, I do. Fantastic. Well, I'll flick you a request afterwards. Connect with you on LinkedIn. The first 48 hours when you connect with somebody on LinkedIn, LinkedIn goes, hey, new friends, let's show them everything from each other. So what do I do within the next 48 hours? I post a testimonial video that I know that you're going to see that's going to help build credibility and trust in our company. So I have you as a captive audience and I don't have to keep going, hey, Jack, just following up, seeing how you're going with that proposal um, and being that annoying cheesy salesperson. Love that. So a couple of great little gems of wisdom in there. I know like I myself am definitely not utilizing it to its fullest potential, but if you had to, you know, whether it's someone who is just starting out or someone who has had their platform going for a long time and is just really not utilizing it to the best that it can be, what would be your top tips and secrets, you know, that are different to the run of the mill, you know, that you can Google about what content you should be posting on LinkedIn, like what what do people need to know to make the most out of it? What are your tips to build that brand? Um, I think 
apart from what's already out there, the obvious ones are, are add value, right? Um, stop stop promoting your services and start, start telling people um, and showing people how good, show people how good you are, don't tell them how good you are. So uh, if for anybody who's not read Gary Vaynerchuk, um, jab, 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 right hook, where you should be just doing a little bit of value, a little bit of value, a little bit of value, then you do a sell. Um, so those types of things, they're, they're, they're mostly obvious. Um, for me, it's more about recency and frequency. There's a, there's a great book out um, called Persuasion, um, not Persuasion, Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. Um, and he talks about the law of familiarity. Um, and he says, people and businesses will do businesses business with people that are most recent, frequent, front of mind and adding value. So that means daily. I need to see you every single day because certainty wanes. Um, walk out of here, you go, yeah, well, I enjoyed that or I didn't enjoy that, whatever it may be. Tomorrow, whatever feeling you had will have dropped. The next day, it will have dropped. So we need to keep on getting in people's eye line to consistently build our personal brand. The way I do it, I use a technique called 30-30-30-10. It's um, a technique that I got from Glenn Richards, who's one of our investors, founder of Green Cross Vets. Um, and it's based around your daily structure. So I spend 30% of my week um, or day. So say, say I do 50-hour week which would be nice. Um, <laughs> 15 hours of that week would be working on business development. So business development could be sales, it could be content creation, it could be social media. And I actually schedule the time every single day that I'm going to be doing my socials. The next 30% of my time is doing my job, which is I'm a sales coach. So it's actually going out into organizations, doing Zoom coaching, um, training um, in a digital capacity, whatever it might be. Um, another 30% of my time is spent training my team um, so I, I have what's called training, coaching and mentoring opportunities in my diary blocked out every single week for the rest of the year where my team can book in for half an hour sessions with me for training, coaching or mentoring. Um, and then the final 10% is for variables when things just go crazy and you need to catch up. <laughs> so so the key there is that systems breed freedom. Um, so having that systemized structure that between this time and this time, I'm going to jump on LinkedIn. I'm going to connect with three people. I'm going to engage three people's conversation, conversations and I'm going to post one piece of content. So it's just connect, engage and post. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you might eventually get an amazing person like Lauren that takes all of your quotes from today and puts them into memes and, and beautiful pictures and then they schedule it. But there's a systemized way that we go about it. So that, I think if you just say, I'm going to do a bit here and there, you'll never do it. And if you go, oh, I'll mm -hmm. do that tomorrow, I'll do double tomorrow, you won't ever do it. So it needs to be something that's just part of your day-to-day -day routine. We were talking a bit earlier about, you know, everything's gone online in light of COVID. Things are starting to move back to normal. But I think something that's still relevant, whether it's in-person online, is networking. So mm. it's one thing that I think so many people can't master. You go to a networking mm. event, you spend an hour schmoozing and chatting to all these people and you walk out with no meaningful connections. Yeah. And I think the same thing can be said to actually, like you were saying, that time block that you've got for LinkedIn, you spend that time on there, but do you come out with anything? Mm. So how do you how do you make meaningful connections? How do you network like a pro, whether that's online, in person? What are the secrets? Um, I, th I think you gotta be brave. I think you've gotta you kind of gotta get past the fact that you feel a little bit awkward and realize that when you've done it 10, 15 times, you feel less awkward every single time. Firstly, um, we we have a I say we, I, I've created a bit of a, a mental challenge around networking. So when I go to an event, um, I scan the room, I suss out roughly how many people are in the room and I say, can I make 10% contacts in here today? So just, it doesn't matter how many are in there, I wanna connect with 10% of this room. Um, we have what we call an elevator pitch, which is designed for networking itself. And it's just a five step 
acronym. Um, the acronym is PITCH, P-I-T-C-H. Um, so that's anywhere from 15 to 60 seconds to communicate who you are, who you help, the problem you solve, why you do it, and the best thing about your business. Um, and if you can focus on communicating all of those in every single human interaction, not only will they be meaningful, but you'll get people being curious as to find, to want to find out more. So I'll go for the, the, P, uh, the, the P-I-T-C-H <laughs> in a moment, don't worry. Um, cliffhanger. Uh, do a little, do a little break there, and then make them come back. Um, the the key with a, with networking is to induce curiosity. Um, so don't give everything, don't give, give away everything in your arsenal. Um, if the Andrew Banks gave us a great quote, so be interested, not interesting. So stop trying to tell everybody how fantastic you are and just be more interested in them. And, uh, and the irony is not lost on me whilst I'm talking about myself um, <laughs> during this, by the way. But be more interested than interesting. Um, and the way we do that is um, we firstly ask what's called reciprocity questions. So to reciprocate is to give to take. So for me, if I wanted to find out more information about you, Jack, I would ask you a question. Uh, I would answer, sorry, answer the question I'm about to ask. So my name's Ryan, what's yours? I'm from a place called Leicester in the UK. Whereabouts are you from? Now, I've been in the sales world for almost a decade now. How long have you been in this industry for? So I'm giving you some information in the hope of extracting some information, which mm -hmm. makes you feel indebted to, to share the information. So that's a, that's a general sales tool that we would use in what we call a guided discovery phase. But the five things that you need to communicate every single time in a networking environment, and you can do this on socials as well. Um, so the P is to promote clarity in your name, your title, and your company. So my name's Ryan Tuckwood. I'm CEO and co-founder here at ISR Training. Pretty straightforward. If you're at a barbecue, don't do that. You sound like an idiot. Um, just say my name's Ryan. Uh, make it real. So you've there's two. There's a corporate one, and then there's there's like a, a barbecue one. Um, the I the I is to identify who you help. So instead of saying I'm a plumber, um, I work in PR. Tell me who you help. So I'm pretty fortunate that every single day I get to work with business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. If I say that in the right room and I've got a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional in front of me, they go, oh, you help me, but they still don't know how. I've already induced a level of curiosity before I even tell them what I actually do. Um, the T is to tell them the problem you solve. So you guys could drill down on the three main problems you're solving. So this this podcast, this interview, what is what is it doing? It's delivering value to the market. Okay, what is value? Value is when you get something that you didn't have before. So why didn't I have it? And what's the if I didn't have it, how does that affect my life detrimentally? Okay, so that's the problem. So the problem you solve is that you're helping instill confidence in the Gold Coast market um, and hoping to drive traffic and business to this region because you believe it's the best place to live. That's what you do for a living. You don't run podcasts and you don't interview people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So tell them the problem you solve. The C, which I believe is the most powerful one, is to clarify why you do it. So we have to attach an emotion to um, to our elevator pitch. So you guys know the reason I do this is because I got frustrated with all the regurgitated 1980s sales tactics that were teaching me to lie, bully, and manipulate. How many minutes did it take me into this podcast till I told you that? I think it was in the first question that I asked. <laughs> yeah. So because I need, because I know sales defenses are up against sales, and I. Uh, against the word sales and industry. So I have to attach an emotion to it because otherwise I don't bypass your conscious thinking and I don't attach to you emotionally in your gut brain. There's four brains. Um, it's a whole conversation. Um, you knew that though, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, so the, the why is your story? So why do you work for, and this is if you're an employee, why did you choose the company that you work with? Um, I'm sure you, you could have worked for anybody. Why did you choose ISR? Why did you choose um, Orbit's Elevators? Why did you choose Ruby Communications? Whatever it may be. Um, 
And then the final one is the H, which is to hook them with the best bit. Um, so what is the best thing about doing business with you? So you can have a, a logical one, um, a factual one. So for us, the best thing about doing business with ISR training is that not only over the last five years have we've coached nearly 6,000 people now, we've got an average increase in revenue of 41% in 90 days. Quite factual. So if I give you that, you're like, wow, well, how do you do that? Okay, and that's, in, that's inducement. Um, if you've got curiosity, I can say, hold on a second, we're at a barbecue. Let's not talk about it right now. Let's <laughs> grab a coffee on Tuesday. Generated a lead. Um, yeah. Alternatively, I could do a practical hook, which might be the best thing about doing business with us is that not only do we have physical training where we can train you via Zoom, um, high intensity, but we also have digital training, 24, 7, 365, so you can train in the comfort of your own home. So I've got two versions. And then the key is to practice the hell out of that pitch. So we role play four times a day because it takes two and a half hours to get information or decay. Right. So you you guys are professionals, so you probably remember what we started with today. Um, mm -hmm. Most people will have, will have, that are listening to this right now have forgotten where I'm from. It, it's that, that quick because yeah. the brain just switches off and we start thinking about other things. So we role play pitch um, amongst other language patterns and word tracks at least four times a day. So people should be practicing their pitch at home prior to going to a networking event. 100%, 100% because... You, competence breeds confidence. Um, and if you are not confident at something, it's usually because you're having to think about it. It's not quite second nature yet. We're not unconsciously competent in, in that realm. Same as me with public, public speaking. Um, the idea when I rocked up, me and Lauren spoke about this on the way, I rocked up to the Young Entrepreneur Awards yes. um, and I was doing it with, uh, with Laura. They gave me the script, which is basically a Bible um, by the looks <laughs> of it, um, half an hour before. And I'm like, oh, no, well, hold on. This is going to change things a little bit. I, was, I, I, I thought I maybe had some freedom to, to read what I wanted to read. Um, but that scared the hell out of me. And I felt uncomfortable. But I, and I've been training with a public speaking coach for 18 months now um, or, or longer now. But it still made me feel uncomfortable. So if you practice and practice and practice, when you get there, you lose your fear. Um, and if somebody says to you, what are the three questions you always get asked? What's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? You know the first two. So why don't you practice the third one? And don't say you're a plumber. <laughs> you're not a plumber. Tell them the problem you solve so then they can resonate with it emotionally. I guess the other thing that people really find hard at networking events is having the confidence just to go up to someone that they don't mm -hmm. know and have a conversation. So I guess mm -hmm. what are your tips? Is it just practicing that pitch? Is that going to give them inner confidence? Or do they just need to bite the bullet and go to a networking event and just do it? And the more you do the easier it is. Yeah, but the bite the bullet phrase, it, it, it used to give me a level of anxiety because mm. people used to say that to me all the time. And Ryan, just go and just go, same on talk on stage, just go and jump on stage. And then you go up there and you fail and then it just pushes you further back into your shell. So there has to be practicals around it. Um, so for me, there's another four-step process that you can use. You can just have conversation starters. Um, there's one called Ford, which is family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. So I'm actually from a place called Leicester in the UK. My family's, or where are you from? You tell me where you're from. And I say, my family's all back in the UK. Have you still got family down there? Are they here now? You're into a conversation. It's pretty, that is, but it's having the anchors to get you going again. Mm -hmm. um, you would know Tony Robbins changes his anchor every six minutes for 14, 15 hour days, but he's got anchor words that lead him into his next sentence. So that could be family. Talk about your family. Talk about your background. Talk about your occupation. How long have you been with the company for? What do you do? Do you enjoy it? Bring an emotion into it. Enjoyment is an emotion. Um, recreation, what do you do in your spare time? Now you're going to find out about their um, e extracurricular activities, so to speak, and then their dreams. Where do you see yourself in a few years? What do you want to be doing? It, 
They're, they're really easy anchor and conversation starters, but you still need to practice it. You still need to know what you're going to say because otherwise you're that awkward person that gives nothing back. Um, and then that's a surefire way to not create a connection with somebody. And what do you do when you're talking to someone like that? Like that is like my biggest dread of going to a networking event, having a chat with someone and it's so hard to get anything out. Mm. And then you both kind of awkwardly standing there <laughs> wanting to part, but not wanting to. Oh, you met me a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what do you do in that situation? Do you keep it going? Do you just kind of cut your losses and say, we'll call it a day and try and find <laughs> someone else? Like what is the protocol? You, you have your out before you get in. So um if you want to network with 10% of the room and you know that there's 100 people in the room and you've only got an hour and there's 10 people in there, then you need to make sure that you've got your out. Now, you can actually work as teams. So we, you, you, you can have... I shouldn't tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this going? You, you can have your... Um, it's like, you know, when you go on a date and then you get the... I'm going to text you. I want you to call me and say that my cat is stuck up a tree if the date's not going well. That, yeah. you, have, you have sort of... You can do little codes if you're going in, in, in pairs. Um, <laughs> but the, the other way to go about it is to, as you meet them, is to say, hey, look, lovely to meet you. I've just got a couple of minutes before uh, before I connect with somebody else that I met earlier, um, but I wanted to come and introduce myself. My name's Jack. What's yours? I've already got my out. As I said earlier, I do have to shoot off, or you just forget about it. They won't remember it anyway. But when you do remind them because you're bored of the conversation, they will remember it. Yeah. That makes sense. So you, you start with the end in mind. Um, <laughs> so you've already got your out because otherwise you're... You're not even listening to them. You're you're actively thinking of a way to get out of this conversation, right? And you don't, that's just not enjoyable for anybody. We've all been there, We've though. We've been there, yeah. <laughs> I want to move on to more sales now. That's like your cup of tea, I guess <laughs> yeah. I would say. What's your advice for local businesses who may have been sort of struggling in that space, um, especially during this time? Because it's been mm. quite a hectic couple of months for everyone here on yeah. the coast. Yeah, it's been tough. Um, we've... Like I said, I, I had a three-day wobble um, um, right at the start. I, I, I'd never been through this before. I've only had the business six years. Um, I've got a couple of other businesses that I don't work in, but I'd never owned any business up until this. So this is my first crisis um, really to go through. So I think um, I wouldn't imagine there are too many businesses out there that haven't had a bit of, bit of stress or anxiety around it firstly. Um, for me, the, the main message that we try and hit home is um, people are still buying it's don't don't shut up shop don't give up i've seen so many people give up literally go we, we, we're not going to get through we don't know how long it's going to go on for um we we just can't do this we're getting out um i mean there's two ways you can take that they were either running week to week anyway and they didn't have a strong foundation of a business or they just didn't have the fight or the foresight to see that we we're going to come out of this what i'd encourage them to do is look back at previous recessions and see how much we boom on the back of them um and I did that through talking to our investors. So I, I literally rang Stephen, Stephen Andrew, um, as I was having my little moment um, in my, my home office. <laughs> and, uh, and Steve Baxter's obviously very, very blunt. And um, he's like, right, right, we'll, we'll be fine. It's all right. We'll just look, look back in. He kept going for all these recessions and telling me to look back at other businesses that have boomed through this time. Um, and it was, yeah, it was about leaning up, um, cutting um, non-essential costs where possible, um, which we went through every single subscription that we had. Um, Talk to you. I mean, it's probably a bit late now anyway because we're on the back of it. But talk to you. Talk to your landlords and see if you can get deferments of rent. Or they're they're the practical ones. But from a mindset perspective, it's that people are still buying products and services. Um, the way that Swish was created um, was you're doing people a disservice if you don't recommend your product or service if you know they can categorically help uh, benefit from it. Um, so we get asked a lot. Have you? What have you changed since COVID? And I say nothing. We've always sold the way that I believe you should sell. 
I think COVID has actually whittled out all the poor salespeople because you can't push and hurry people into a decision anymore. You have to educate them and you have to build a deep relationship with them. That's all we ever did anyway. So we haven't had to change. The only thing that we've consciously changed is we've been more present on socials. Um, I guess bring it all back together. Yeah. We've been way more present than ever before. Um, Laurel and attest to this. When we first sit down, sat down during all of this, I said, I want, I want to be over everything, even more than ever before. I want to be that ray of light for people. You scroll through your newsfeed, negativity, negativity, negativity. There's ISR. Um, that's a positive video. Can you be that that ray of hope for people in a time where everybody's stressed? Um, and you do that by offering value. So you need to be leading with empathy. You need to be going in, understanding their situation, understanding that um, we're all on the we're all on the same boat in the same boat right now. Whenever have we had common ground with everybody in the world? You've got common ground with every single human being on the planet right now. What an opportunity to cold call! Get your foot in the door. Do the COVID chat at the start. You can't you can't get away from it. It's happening, mm. but don't get caught up in it. So uh, we rough percentages spend thirty percent of your time being empathetic, understand their situation, seventy percent be the light and start talking about how you can help them now. Um, I don't know if that, does that kind of answer it? Yeah. No yeah. way, yeah. Well, we are coming to the end of the podcast. Ryan, was there anything else you wish to add to our chat today? Um, yeah, firstly, thank you for, for the opportunity, for inviting me in. Um, the, the, the one thing I will leave, leave the listeners with is that um, I want sales to be known as a sales, uh, as a noble trait. Um, that, that there's nothing wrong with learning how to articulate and communicate the value of what you offer better for your consumer. So it's for me, sales is about telling your truth better. We've all got a story um, and it's how we package that story up so that you endear yourself to other human beings enough that they would like to listen further to find out what you've got to offer. So if you are thinking about learning anything in life, this will be the one trait that you learn that will set you up in, in all aspects. It will help you in your relationships at home. It will help you in business. It will help you with your colleagues. Um, and I think that is really the, the, the final message from me because we wouldn't be around and we wouldn't be, we wouldn't exist if people didn't want to do it better. And I think with, with Swish being our sort of methodology, I think that's what people want. They, they want to be authentically themselves and they, but they also want to grow as individuals. They want to grow their businesses. And to do that, we have to make sales without sales, business fails. Ryan and Jack, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.